was telling Pastor earlier, Jesus gave us the universal antidote. Preach the word. Preach the gospel. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. There's nothing happening on this planet. There's not a problem, not a situation, not an issue that is not taken care of by that fivefold antidote. And um, the end is near. Jesus is coming soon. We need more word now than we've ever needed before. It's available. We need to get it. The Word of God is good. This is a selected writing. It's entitled, Inexhaustible. Someone describes packing his bag for a journey. Just before closing it, he observes a small corner not yet filled. He says, into this little corner, I put a guidebook, I put a lamp, a mirror, a microscope, a telescope, a volume of choice poems, several well-written biographies, a package of old letters, a book of songs, a sharp sword, and a small library of more than 60 volumes. Yet, strange enough to say, all these did not occupy a space of more than three inches long by two inches wide. About this time, I was thinking of a thumb drive. How about you? <laughs> but how could you do it, was the question. Well, he said, it was all in the packing. I put in my pocket Bible. We don't always see the Word of God that way, but it is just that kind of book. And it holds all of these things that I just mentioned. Davies explained the chief message of that book as the love of God. He describes John 3.16 this way. God, the greatest lover, so loved the greatest degree, the world, the greatest company, that he gave the greatest act, his only begotten son, the greatest gift, that whosoever, the greatest opportunity, believeth the greatest simplicity, in him the greatest attraction, should not perish the greatest promise, but the greatest difference, have the greatest certainty, eternal life, the greatest possession. That is... God's word, God's gift to us, and all of these forms described. It is yet the smallest token of God's gift to this planet. How can that be? I'll tell you. John said it this way, that if all the things that Jesus both said and did were written, the earth could not contain it. And we have it in one book. While it is, while it can be seen as the smallest token of the greatness of God, it is the all-inclusive forever, forever 
the answer to anything and everything that we will ever face or have to deal with. The Word of God is good for everything that we are involved in. And I've said it before, that if we were here another million years and we're living in bubbleheads in outer space, the Word of God, the Bible that you hold now, will still be the only book you ever need to get you through life. That is the Word of God. Give Him some glory, yes. Amen. I want to preach to you a little bit this morning on the topic, three ifs. Um, My wife will soon tell you that's not my kind of message, but every now and then I get one like this, Pastor. (laughs) It hits me this way, and uh, and I'll preach this kind of message. Three ifs. Now, I'm sure there are other applications, but these three um, uh, I I want to share with you today. Um, the, The Word of God... I feel like we have cycled in time until the Word of God is brand new in this season. In, in 2012, um, my attention was drawn to new words being coupled. New words formed by coupling words that already exist. There was a severe traffic jam in California. They called it Carmageddon. See, that's a new word. It's a new word formed from two words that we've known for a long time. They sat a, little, a three-year-old girl on Santa's lap at Christmas time, 2012. She screamed the high heavens. And usually these sitting Santas at the Christmas season have developed an act, a knack of calming disturbed children and getting them to accept it's Santa. Not this kid. Not this kid. No. They hauled her away kicking and screaming. She didn't want to have anything to do with this here Santa. They said she was claustrophobic. You see? You see what I'm saying? I'll tell you what the Spirit of God said to me. I had a list of about 20 words that I had heard in just a a few weeks' time. The Spirit of God spoke to me and said, There is an opening in the eyes and the ears of the world at this very moment. The world is in preparation for a paradigm shift. A new way of seeing, a new way of thinking is at the church's disposal. I preached it everywhere I went. I'm not going to try to grade how successful that campaign was, but I do believe that that was a word from God. That the world was open for us to evangelize them and we would see a new Difference in results. 2012 cycled out. Paradigmatic shift cycled out. And just about the middle of last year, I realized it was back. 
new words. Every now and then I'll hear another new word. It's all coming back. I want to tell you, reach out like you've never reached out. I believe we're in a season where someone will get a glimpse of a light that they've never seen before. If we'll present the Word of God. It's a very special time. It's not very long a trumpet's going to sound. And the um, severe rights are going to be hauled out of here. Leaving our country to the severe lefts. Everything's going to change once we're gone. Everything's going to change. Antichrist is going to take over. Satan is going to reign like he's been wanting to do for so, so long. This world will be a different world until we come back with Jesus and put it in order. Hallelujah. Amen. But from the Word of God, we can find things like this. We can, we can see truths that will come together from ages. All of a sudden, things that never made sense will start to make sense. That's what truth is all about. That's what the Word of God is all about. So I want to share three ifs with you. The first if is a choice with consequential results. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12 through 14. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the, lo- the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. If, my people. This word if stands for a choice with consequential results. First of all, I want to say, God says, I have chosen this place to be my house of sacrifice. Most, most people don't realize when they, they read, well, we quote verse 14 quite a bit. Um, but, but most folks don't realize the context that, that has been going on right here. There's been at least a week of, um, of ritualistic ceremonies going on. In the open house of Solomon's temple, a temple that God gave the plans to David uh, that it should be constructed. David raised all the monies that it could be constructed. And so Solomon got the job done. It is time now to open the temple and to dedicate it to the Lord. So for a whole week, Solomon, uh, uh, according to... His, uh, so, I, I, I don't know the right word, kingly, sophisticated manner of behavior before God with the utmost respect and, um, 
and uh, obeys his way. He conducts this week-long dedication of his temple unto God. Uh, let me give you a, a minor detail and not in real detail form. They would walk five or six feet and then sacrifice a thousand bulls. When that was done, they'd walk another five or six feet and sacrifice another thousand bulls, 10,000 bulls, 20,000 bulls, all the way, all the way to the temple. Hundreds of thousands of bulls were sacrificed to the Lord just to get to the temple. Ceremonies went on all week long. The glory of God filled the place. They weren't able to stand. It was an awesome week-long campaign revival. Then the Bible tells us this. And God appeared to Solomon in the night. It was all over. You know what smart pastors do after a big conference? They take a vacation to recuperate. Solomon has done it all. He's been on his feet hour after hour after hour. All of the, all of the um, uh, attention is given to God for an entire week. The, the temple is on a mount and rivers of blood are flowing in all directions from the temple from the week long of cutting juggler veins of bulls and goats and sheep. The region will be red for months. And God was put on the highest pedestal that a mortal could put him on. Everything was so great I'm sure there were, you know, just because you're a Jew don't mean you don't get goosebumps. I'm sure there were goosebumps coming and going for a whole week while God was honored and reverenced in the dedication offerings of this temple. But then the Bible says, and God appeared to Solomon in the night. Solomon was trying to recuperate from that week long of labor, labor, labor. And God says, okay, I've, I've listened to it all. I've watched it all. I've felt it all. I've analyzed it all. I've made a decision. You what? I decided I'm going to take you up on your offering. Oh. Wait, 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 wait. Hey, we had a great week. What are you talking about? We had a great... Your presence was all over that place. You know, there were times we couldn't stand up. What are you talking about? You've just decided to... Act. I thought good church meant God accepted. I, 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 I thought as long as I put something in the bucket, you're good. It's not over until He accepts it. It's an offering until he accepts it. Because you see, God knew all about Solomon's life. He knew all of Solomon's comings and goings. All of his vows and his promises. All of his devotions and lack of devotions. 
And God analyzed this whole thing based on what Solomon was capable of. What Solomon was um, uh, accountable to. See, it it might be difficult to drop two dollars in a in a golden offering bas- basket and go back home to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of CDs. I, I'm just saying, God sees it all. In one case, Jesus analyzing the offering beheld as a widow dropped two mites he knew her cookie jar was empty she dropped all that she had while many that were rich gave much and felt good Jesus said she outdid all of you see Solomon was sure with the smoke with the blood and going by the letter, just the way Moses and Aaron said it should. He was meticulous. Solomon was so meticulous that the queen of Sheba fainted when she watched the way he behaved. That's how right he was. He was sure this, is a, this has been a good will. Guys, been a great week. Thank you for everything. Go home, take a break. Eureka, we did it. And then, and then God appears and said, um, I've just decided I'll accept this. When we bring our worship to the Lord, we should expect that he would appear to us in the night at some time in the future and let us know if we made an A, a B, C minus, D. Hello? Does it matter? Let me tell you why it matters. Because the fear of the Lord is the first thing you'll ever do on your road to wisdom. Caring how he feels about your behavior, about how your, your actions in his presence. Caring about how he feels when you raise your hands and say, I worship you. Just what are we doing? Because he's, he knows the whole nine yards and he will, he will gauge, accept or reject based on everything he knows about us. He knows if we're giving him are all. He knows if it's true worship. He knows if we mean the song or we're just reading it off the wall. He knows. God appears to Solomon and says, I've decided to accept your offering and make this house my house of sacrifice. Now the New King James Version renders that next verse in a little more accurate form. Verse 13, instead of if in the New King James, it says when. It would say, when I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or when I command the locusts to devour the land, or when I send pestilence among my people. That is a more accurate, accurate rendering because God knew That all of those people would soon forget that this was his house of sacrifice. They would come as they should. They would bring what they should. They would act like they should. 
but there would be no heart. So he's telling Solomon, Solomon, when you forget that this is my house of sacrifice, I will shut the heavens on you. When you forget that this is my house of sacrifice, I will order the locusts to come in on you. When you forget that this is my house of sacrifice, I will send pestilence upon my people. And then they will have the opportunity to decide. They will have an opportunity to make a choice that will bring consequential results. They will be able to choose. Do they want to ball their fist and curse me or hate me or blame me? Or will they decide to humble themselves and pray? If they humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. This is a very contextual event. Because God knows how we slip. God knows how we can be on fire today and a wet blanket tomorrow. He knows how we can come into his presence one Sunday morning and we're ready to dance the aisles. And a week later, the pastor, the entire worship team, the entire board of elders have to grab their biggest pry bar and try to get you out of the slump that you're in. Hello? What happened? What happened to proper attitude, proper etiquette when you come into the presence of God? David said it this way, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I'm not coming to buy a piece of thanksgiving so I can use it. I'm not coming for someone to hand to me a piece of thanksgiving so that I can exhibit it. No, I'm coming with thanksgiving. It's too easy for us to forget why we're here. And we make consequential decisions. We pick an if that has consequence. <clears throat> I, I have to say, we, we have to notice God is speaking to his people. He's not speaking to a world that doesn't believe in him or does not know him. He's speaking to his people. And if, if this scripture could be utilized today, it would be to God's church. It would be to us. We are known today as his people. With that said, I have to say then, this verse of scripture should never have to be invoked. Never. Why? Because we should never forget that this is his house of sacrifice. Because we should never forget that we walk humbly before him. God's children should never have to become humble. They should already constantly be humble. And pray. When does prayer start? It's never supposed to start. It's always supposed to be. We're supposed to pray without ceasing. The day that someone has to tell us we have to start praying again, we're already in trouble. We're supposed to have a constant life of prayer, 
constantly open to the Father. He should be the first one to know of anything that disturbs us or upsets us or concerns us. He should be the first one to know. First word out of our mouth should be, Oh, Heavenly Father, a prayer life. Did you hear me? A prayer life. Not a life that just prays when something goes wrong. A prayer life. Seek my face. Who just, just who are we trying to please anyway? Because, you know, face means favor. Seeking the favor of God. God, you know what? The world that I live in right now is not too happy with me because I love you. They're not too happy with me because they want to mock me for giving as much as I give to you. Incidentally, cheerful giving. God, you know I'm a cheerful giver. It doesn't mean, you know, you don't have to cut cartwheels, flip cartwheels to be known as a cheerful giver. All you have to do is move immediately. Because the word cheerful is from the, uh, well, there's an Old Testament rendering and a New Testament, and and they're both about the same. Ilaruno is uh, is the Greek. It means hilarious, translated in modern English, crazy. How much do you make a year? And how much do you give to God? Whoa, you can't afford that. That's crazy. Hello, that's what that means. And cheerful means, and you do it immediately. As soon as you hear God has a project, you're in. You don't know if it's $10 you have left or $2. You don't know if it's a 1000 or a million. You don't know what the amount is. All you know is that God's got a project, and you're in. I'm in. Now, honey, let's see what we can do, because we're in. Hello, that's cheerful. Oh, yeah, do the cartwheels, too. Because that, <laughs> that's part, it renders that way. It, it, it kind of comes that that's a side effect. Let me tell you something. The joy of the Lord is my strength. When he's happy, I'm strong. When my life brings a smile on God's face, and I know that I have his favor, it doesn't matter what the rest of the world thinks. You know, I want them to be happy with me. I'm, I'm the guy who brought the apple to the teacher. I wanted my teacher to love me. They, they, call, they call me the teacher's pet. That's right. But I was learning. But it didn't matter. Listen, it doesn't matter. Sometimes the world likes you, sometimes it don't. It's always important that God likes you. Seek my face, he said. And turn from their wicked ways. Do we make mistakes? We all make mistakes. There's not a person in this building makes mistakes. 98% of Christians admit to making mistakes. The other 2% are liars. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, we all make mistakes. But we're not living a wicked way. This is not what we do. We stumble and we fall. But we're not. Nurturing wicked ways. We have turned from that. It's called repentance. I'm sorry for that life that I used to live. And I'll never go back to that life. Every now and then I might stumble and fall. I'm not going back. Turn from their wicked ways. Guess what we have? Let me tell you what we have. He is constantly hearing from heaven. That's what we have. He's constantly hearing from heaven. He's constantly healing our land. 
He's constantly forgiving our sins. Why? Because we're not living a wicked life. We made a mistake. We're sorry. We're trying to please Him. We're, you know, let the world see it the way they we're trying to please Him. Listen, we're in relationship with Him. So we have these benefits constantly. So that verse should never have to be pulled up and applied to any church. Shame on us that we have turned our backs on God, forgotten this is His house of sacrifice. See, we didn't come here today to sing the songs that you like or that I like. You didn't come here today to, to feel my presence. We came here to feel His presence, to sing the songs that move Him, that please Him. We have come to offer to Him the sacrifice of praise. It belongs to Him. We've come here today. You know, church success is this. Everybody leaves down because it didn't go their way. But God said, man, I love that service. That was a great service. We made Him happy. Oh, that's a fact, church. We've come here to do obeisance to Him, to honor Him, to adore Him, to serve Him, to minister unto Him. We cannot afford to forget that. We cannot afford to forget that. Uh, in 26, almost 27 years of pastoring, I sat on several uh, overseeing boards. I can't tell you how many times we had to answer to the complaint of, Well, they're just not doing it the way I like it. I can't stand the songs they sing. And that preacher, somebody needs to get him a sermon outline. In other words, none of this seemed to scratch your back. No, I'm just sick of it. Well, are you God by any chance? (laughs) Because that's what we came to. We came to please him. We came to honor him. This is his house of sacrifice. This is his house. We came to bring something to him. We came to put ourselves down, lay ourselves down and lift him up. That's what we came to do. We cannot afford to forget that. God told Solomon, I know you will. And when you do, this is what I'm going to do. And then you will have a choice. The if choice. How many of you know God is still good? God's still good. Yes, He is still good. We are constantly crucifying the flesh. Paul said daily, keep the flesh under. We mortify the deeds. Listen, crucify means we keep Him down. Keep Him under control. Mortify means kill destroy. We crucify the flesh. We mortify the deeds. The deeds are the sins. Put them to debt. Put them to death. They don't exist anymore. Don't let them live ever. This is what we do and we stand in God's presence. The second if is an if that says a not likely possibility. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse Three, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. 
But if our gospel be hid, the best illustration here is um, is an illustration. I call it sharpshooter. Who's the sharpshooter in this church? Who's the Who's the guy, the hunter that never misses? You have one. What's his name? Joe. Joe, the sharpshooter. All right, we set Joe up with his favorite rifle, the one that he's, what do you call it? You've set it in or whatever, how you, you've drawn it in, you've done it, you put it through the mill, and it, wherever the crosshairs are, that's where the bullet goes, boom. And we set him up at a thousand yards, bullseye the size of, size of a quarter. Who's the guy that wants to hunt, but just don't hunt so much? That'd be you? Okay. So, pastor sets Joe up. Joe takes his best rifle, sets himself up. He goes through the routine, inhales, exhales, whatever. He is the deer sniper. Okay? So, pastor says, whenever you're ready, Joe, shoot the target a thousand yards away, size of a quarter. Joe settles into his expertise and shoots. Pastor says, I think you missed. Joe looks at Pastor and he says, missed? Yeah, I think you missed. And Joe says, if I missed. You see where I'm coming from? If. In other words, Joe is saying, I don't think I missed. I don't think you're seeing it right. I believe the Joe that I know is right on target. But if, highly unlikely possibility, but if. (laughs) See, I want us to understand something. The gospel that we preach that Jesus implied to be the answer solution for the sins of the world. It's not just a story. It is by definition the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ that bears a light with it that is irresistible unless someone covers it with a veil. Satan cannot afford for you to see The light of this gospel. Because you will be sold. So he has to tell you another story. And convince you to prefer it. Incidentally, let me tell you something. Can't hide something if it's not present. So the gospel is there. Someone told Paul. Your gospel is hid. And I don't think you're seeing this right. Because in all the apostolic expertise that I have, I have presented it. But if my gospel is hidden, if, highly not likely. Hello? It means that the enemy came in and sold you a bill of goods that makes you think that's better than this. It's not blindness like this that they can't see. No, 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 no. It's in the room. It's on the auction block. 
They've been auctioning everything else in this world that seems to have any kind of worth. And they put a sheet, a veil over the gospel. God's just waiting for somebody with enough tact and understanding to reach over there and pull the sheet off of it and show the glorious gospel and its light. We are free moral agents, which means we can't be blinded. We have to be sold. We have the opportunity, we have the right and the mandate to make a decision. So the same way the serpent had to sell Eve on that fruit, Satan has to sell us on the world so that we say no to the gospel. He has to throw a veil over the light of the glorious gospel. Otherwise, you will take it because you can see what real life is. It's a glorious gospel. So Paul is saying, let me tell you about the edge that we have. If, see, it is possible that people will say no. But if they say no, it's because they got hauled into another deal. And they're convinced that that other deal is better. Deals like, like what, Brother Jacob? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Deals like, uh, if you go down that aisle and you accept Jesus this morning, that means you can't sleep in next Sunday. Forget, you're not sleeping in on Sunday. You can't go fishing on Sunday's night. Right there, there's church. You know that neighbor right across the fence that you cuss out every afternoon? You ain't gonna be cutting, you're not going to be able to cuss him out every afternoon after this. You accept Jesus, that's over with. You know how you sit and sip iced tea or cold beer? (laughs) Can we talk like that in church? (laughs) And rag that neighbor, gossip about that. All of that goes. All of that goes. You got to give all of that up if you take this. Hello? Hello? That means I'm going to have to love everybody. Yeah, in about three months, he'll be asking you to pray in front of everybody. Yeah. And then uh, about three months after that, they'll put you in training to teach a class. Yeah. That's all, that's all coming with this deal. You go down that aisle, you're going to say, I'm going to tell you something. You lose all your freedoms. Are you listening to me? There's a story out there to lure you away from this light. So Paul is saying, we've got more going for us than what we think. But I'm going to tell you, you say that our gospel is hid. Well, if our gospel be hid. If. Highly, not likely, but if it happens, this is why it happened. In Joe's defense, it would have to be, well, pastor, I don't think so. But if. I missed that target. It's because a deer came running across and I got that deer instead. Go, Joe. We're living in an if of the Holy Gospel. Thirdly, the 30th. Matthew chapter 6, verse 28 to 30. This if is an absolute certainty. Verse 28. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. 
And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God clothed the lilies of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little confidence in the God that called you to salvation? This if says an absolute certainty. Why? Because this if is not really an if. It's a fact of the past. Judging on what God has already done, that's the if. If God clothed, oh God, because the fields are already clothed with the lilies. And, 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 um, uh, those ingenious minds who study all of these things put a lily of the field under one of the most powerful microscopes and they found weaving like no, like nothing else on this planet. Your finest linens and silks are nothing compared to the weaving of the petals of the lilies of the field. God did that. God did that. And Jesus is saying, the the better word would be since. (laughs) Since God clothes the lilies of the field this way. Which is what the word if is saying. It is an absolute certainty. This is what God does. And so since God does that for lilies of the field that are here today and in the sun tomorrow and die. Don't you know you're so much better than the lilies of the field? God will clothe you. Don't worry about it. God will take care of you. The same passage talks about how God feeds the sparrows. I'm going to tell you, there's not one day that I don't throw bread out to the sparrows that I don't think, well, looks like God put me up to it again. Do you understand? God, God feeds the sparrow. He clothes the fields. And Jesus said, you are much more important to him than sparrows and lilies. We should have no doubt whatsoever. He's taking care of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Three ifs. I want you to stand with me and put your mind on him. Put your mind on him. I realize, listen, I I realize that my decisions bring consequence. And so I'm careful with my decisions. I want God to be pleased with the way I'm trying to live my life. And I realize that the gospel that he has called me to preach is a glorious gospel. And odds are, if I keep punching at it, if I keep preaching it, somebody's going to see the light. The devil's story's not going to be good enough. One day, that story's going to lack its zow, and we're going to get him. Hallelujah. And then I, I don't want to buy another deal.
I don't want to be taken by manipulation. You know, yeah, let me tell you that. The snake in the garden never asked God, what are these people doing in this garden? Adam and Eve never asked God, what's that snake doing in this garden? They both knew they had a right to be there. Same way that Satan has a right to be on this planet. God said, look, he'll try to trick you. Don't let him. That snake is a conniver. Don't fall for his tricks. Satan is a liar and a manipulator. Don't fall for his tricks. Tell him where he needs to go. Like Jesus said, get behind me. If you can handle look, I'm going to cast out devils. I'm going to heal the sick, raise the dead. I'm going to talk about my heavenly father. You know, if you can handle that, hang around. But get behind me. I'm working. Hello? Who's in charge here anyway? I'm going to tell you right now, I am. You are. Satan doesn't govern this planet right now. We do. Jesus gave us the authority. We do. We tell him, I'm the babysitter. You're the rebellious kid. You're in time out. (laughs) Hallelujah. Listen, once we're gone, it'll be a different story. But today, this is my story. And I'm sticking to it. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we choose you. Would you raise your hand to him? Heavenly Father, we choose you. We choose you. We choose your story. You loved us so much you sent your son to die in our place. I was on my way to death. Jesus came and died in my place and now I don't have to die. I accept him. I receive him. I accept God's story. The world will try to lure you away. I accept God's story. His son Jesus taking my place. I stand forgiven of sin. Free of guilt. Free of shame. I can face my heavenly father without fear. He takes care of the lilies of the field. He takes extra good care of me. Father, I just want to thank you for taking extra good care of me. Just thank him. Just thank him right now. Thank you for taking extra good care of me. I happily serve you. Do we have troubles and trials? Do things go wrong sometimes? Father, thank you for taking extra good care of me. And I serve you. I serve you. If there's anyone under the sound of my voice, whether it's live programming or right here, and you have not, or you've been holding your life in your own hand. And today you would like to turn your life over to Jesus. Now's the time to do it. There is a heavenly father ready to take care of you. Ready to care for you. Ready to give you peace. Real joy. Real accomplishment. Real achievement. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I accept you. Heavenly Father, 
I receive your story. I believe your story. Jesus, be my Savior. I accept you as my Lord. Hallelujah. 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 If there's anyone in here that you just did that, raise your hand. Let me know. I just did that. I think Pastor might want to know as well. It seems as though we're all, I bless you. It seems as though that we're, we're in this thing. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but with everything going on in America, I've been praying. Everything going on in America, I've been humbling myself before God. Everything going on in America, I've double-checked my wickedness list. Hello? Hello? And I'm seeking His favor. God, I want to be pleasing to you. Let that be. Pastor, would you come? Thank you, Brother Jake. And amen. You may be seated this morning. What a word. Amen. Let's not forget why we are in this house. Amen. To worship. Thank you, Lord. And by the way, Brother Jakin, I know Joe hit the target. I've, I've seen him do it. I know he did. Amen. Uh, Going to give you opportunity to give this morning. Amen. Again. Amen. And uh, I'm not asking if you're going to give, but when you give. I was listening. When you give, I know the Lord will bless you and multiply it. So, Father, we just thank you for the opportunity we have to give to the man of God. We, Father, I know what's in his heart. I've, I've heard what's in his heart. He's looking to go back to the world, back to India, back to the Philippines. As the world opens up, he's ready to go back and, and, and fulfill the call of God. And, Lord, we want to be a part of that. And so we just thank you, Lord, that uh, each person, when they give, Lord, they give in faith. They give, Lord, just knowing that you have taken good care of them. We're going to take care of the man of God. And, Lord, you're going to multiply it back to meet their needs. And we just call them blessed in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? Amen. Well, let's just go ahead.